Hey, it's Doug. This is microcast number 90. Now, you might not be able to hear this, but behind my home office, there are two people playing the banjo, and I don't want them to tell them to be quiet because it's awesome. But there's also someone chopping down trees and putting up scaffolding nearby, so apologies if there's any background noise over and above um, Oliver Quinlan's amazing synth soundscapes. So the three articles I want to discuss today, um, again, all have kind of a theme to them. The first one is called The New Puritans, and that's published in The Atlantic. The second one is uh, a Medium post, and this one's called The Art of Not Taking Things Personally. And then the third one, um, I found that one in Vox magazine, and it's called The Complicated Reality of Doing What You Love. So first things first then, The New Puritans. This one is by Anne Applebaum. And it's a it's a big long article. And it starts by uh, using a scene from The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne. And it's focused on the United States of America. Um, but I think it applies to all of the Western world in particular. So I'm going to quote a couple of bits from it. And it's talking about kind of public shaming. Um, so here we go. Quote, partisans, especially on the right, now toss around the phrase cancel culture when they want to defend themselves from criticism, however legitimate. But dig into the story of anyone who's been a genuine victim of modern mob justice, and you will often find not an obvious argument between woke and anti-woke perspectives, but rather incidents that are interpreted, described or remembered by different people in different ways, even leaving aside whatever political or intellectual issue might be at stake. And it goes on to talk about people who have been accused of things, who have then written an entire book or like thousands and thousands of words to explain what actually happened from their point of view. Um, and this, this author of this particular uh, article um, says, uh, quote, A decade ago, I wrote a book about the Sovietization of Central Europe in the 1940s and found that much of the political conformism of the early communist period was the result not of violence or direct state coercion, but rather of intense peer pressure. Even without a clear risk to their life, people felt obliged, not just for the sake of their career, but for their children, their friends, their spouse, to repeat slogans they didn't believe or to perform acts of public obeisance to a political party they privately scorned. In 1948, the famous Polish composer Andrzej Paufnik sent what he later described as some rubbish as his entry into a competition to write a song of the United Party, because he thought if he refused to submit anything, the whole union of Polish composers might lose funding. To his eternal humiliation, he won. Lili Hajdu Gims, a celebrated Hungarian psychoanalyst of that era, diagnosed the trauma of forced conformity in patients, as well as in herself. I play the game that is offered by the regime, she told friends. Though, as soon as you accept that rule, you are in a trap. And it goes on to talk about lots of academics and that kind of stuff. Um, but it talks about the kind of reactions that we have when there's not necessarily any proof or things you think might blow over or whatever and the different stages of it. And it reminded me of a book which I read and really enjoyed a couple of years ago called So You've Been Publicly Shamed by John Ronson. It covers similar kind of ground. If you haven't read that, I really highly recommend it. Anyway, last quote from this article. Um, Sometimes advocates of the new mob justice claim that these are minor punishments, that the loss of a job is not serious, that people should be able to accept their situation and move on. 
But isolation plus public shaming plus loss of income are severe sanctions for adults with long-term personal and psychological repercussions, especially because the sentences in these cases are of indeterminate length. Um, this person that uh, she's talking about, Elliot, com contemplated suicide and has written that, quote, every first-hand account I've read of public shaming, and I've read more than my share, includes thoughts of suicide, end quote. And she quotes someone else saying, I had a plan and the means to execute it. I then had a panic attack and took a cab to the ER. Uh, David Bucci, the former chair of Dartmouth Brain Sciences Department, who was named in a lawsuit against the college, although he's not accused of any sexual mis misconduct, did kill himself after he realized he might never be able to restore his reputation. Um, now, I don't think I've done particularly lots of bad things in my life, although I'm sure if you go digging, you'll find some stuff. Um, and it's kind of for that reason, also because I don't like the, the puritanism of of some social media like Twitter, that I've kind of withdrawn quite a lot. So it's an interesting topic, especially because I'm reading Discipline and Punish by Foucault at the moment, and talking about the ways in which we've punished people over time. We no longer render people limb from limb, but we do some things which keep them alive, but actually um, completely destroy them, maybe psychologically or in terms of their reputation. That's not to say that people who do wrong things shouldn't be punished and that people can just say whatever they want. Of course they can't. But I think we need to think about the way we do things. The second one is the art of not taking things personally. And this written this is written by Dave Bailey. Uh, apologies if you can hear one of my neighbour's children outside crying. Um, now this one is really interesting because it talks about kind of different aspects of being more emotionally mature. And hilariously, it's got a picture of the Dalai Lama looking kind of pensive at the, at the top of the post. So I'm just gonna read these subtitles because they're, they're interesting. Number one, overreaction is often driven by something else entirely. Two, blame is often driven by anger. Three, anxiety is often driven by a lack of visibility, I guess within organizations, right? Four, avoidance is often driven by insecurity. Five, criticism is often driven by shame. Six, unrequested advice is often driven by regret. Seven, mistrust is often driven by an unspoken expectation. Eight, doubt is often driven by a lack of clarity. Nine, selflessness is often driven by guilt. And 10, every negative emotion is driven by an unmet need. So all of those are really interesting. You could write a whole post, you could write a whole thesis on, on any and all of those. But of course, it reminded me of that very famous quotation by Yoda from Star Wars, which is, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. And I think all of that, you know, it's summarized in his last one there, about every negative emotion is driven by an unmet need. And for me, as someone who works outside of organizations, um, like, you know, obviously I'm part of an organization as a co-op, but I own it all on the same level. It's not hierarchical. When I work with organizations, um, there's lots of awesome ones, but there's also lots of politics, and there's also lots of unmet needs. The third one is the complicated reality of doing what you love. And this particular one, Marion Bull, talks about how her therapist had suggested that she get a hobby and maybe something to do with her hands. 
to take her away from her phone, which was causing her anxiety. And she ended up doing some ceramics and she got better at it and she really enjoyed it and she started making mugs and then because she wanted to she put them on social media like Instagram and people said can I buy that mug and then people started commissioning them and then she ended up quitting her job and she was talking about that that kind of dance that journey that she's gone on and how much easier it is for creators these days to earn some money either on the side or sometimes to turn it into their their main gig um, but the undercurrent is kind of be careful of what you wish for because if you're turning yourself into a factory for other people's pleasure is that have you turned your hobby into something different and I thought it was a really interesting article in terms of doing what you love because there's that famous quotation isn't there if you if you do what you love you'll never work a day in your life well is that true or do we actually just turn what we love into something which we enjoy less because you know it's no longer a hobby if for example gaming you know my playstation stadia whatever was something which i had to do for work would i enjoy it as much i don't think i would anyway there's the three articles for today the first one was about kind of puritanism puritanism online and social media the second one was about um, kind of organizations and unmet needs and emotional maturity and the third one was about doing what you love I'd love your comments if you've got any kind of feedback on on these microcasts or any comments on these articles do let me know you can comment directly on ThoughtTrapnel or you can just put them wherever you put things online and tag me if you can cheers for now <laughs>